Good afternoon. My name is Tina, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to the Cozen O'Connor Public Strategy Series about the latest developments in politics and policy in D.C. Our call will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call at copublicstrategies.com, as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. To submit live questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. Gentlemen, please go ahead. Thank you very much, and thanks, everybody, uh, for dialing in today. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and this is another edition of the Beltway Briefing. I am joined as always, by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor <laughs> Public Strategies. Gentlemen, good to be with you again. Blake, Mark. Um, well, I, uh, you know, we we begin these almost always the same way, which is what in the world is going on? And so I will look to both of you to explain it to me because I certainly. Uh, do not have much of a much of a clue, uh, but I want to start, um, Mark and Howard, with um, something that has sort of appeared to maybe pick up a little bit of pace over the over the last couple of weeks, which is personnel shifting uh, within the West Wing um, and potentially um, some shifting, you know, out in out in the agencies, um, you know. Varying reports suggest that, you know, one out today suggesting that, that the White House Chief of Staff, is, you know, is, is, is seeing his influence uh, within the West Wing uh, continue to diminish. We've seen the departure now of H.R. McMaster, the addition of Larry Kudlow and John Bolton. Um, Howard, I'll start with you. I mean, what, what do you make of all this? I thought we were going to talk about my busted bracket in the NCAA tournament and Michigan making it to the championship game and losing to Mark's Wildcats. But, um, oh, Howard, we, we are going to talk about yeah, that. We, we are. It's on, okay. it's on the agenda. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, I know I couldn't escape, but, um, look, I think personnel is policy, as we've said, you know, dozens of times. And as, as we've seen in our various, um, incarnations in, inside government, it, it makes a huge difference. And um, the White House continues to be, um, the White House and the cabinet continue to be in a state of constant flux. And it's not going well. And it's great to shake up the the government a little bit. It's what Trump ran on. I think it's what a lot of people across the country <clears throat> on both sides of the aisle, crave on some level. Um, it draws eyeballs to TV screens, but it doesn't make for effective governing. And um, I think people are scared and confused, and it's, it's not good. You know, we can talk a little bit later in the call about <clears throat> what the net effect is from a policy point of view, because I think our clients want to know what it means for their businesses. Right. Yeah, Mark. I mean, what do you, you know, is there any? I mean, is there any method to to the to the apparent madness um, as it pertains to White House personnel? Because 
you know, certainly we're seeing, and we'll get to it in just a minute, I mean, a shift in personnel um, resulted in in a um, in what is now a a battle over tariffs um, with China. We'll talk about that. But Mark, I want to I don't want to come back and, and get your thoughts. Any any method to this apparent madness? No method, Blake, that uh, I can see from here. Here, by the way, is the uh, 28th floor above the Villanova Victory Parade uh, in Philadelphia. So I, I didn't want Howard to be disappointed if I didn't uh, get in that <laughs> that boast for the Wildcats. But, Blake, I, I see no method to the madness. We have a mad king. This is like other periods in other countries in history where where the king is mad and his retainers do their best to figure out how to placate him and govern the country at the same time, he is obviously uh, mad, as in angry, also seems to me to be mad, as in a bit lunatic. And if there's any thread, I suppose, it's that he is surrounding himself with people in the bunker who are simply going to say yes and simply do what he wants, but even there, he doesn't know what he wants. He has no ideology or belief, so it's chaos. And I don't know and, that he's. I don't know, Mark, that Larry Kudlow, the new NEC director, is a yes man. I mean, he's not. But he looked good on TV. Larry Kudlow got his job because he looked good on TV. That's this president's metric. He was right. going to hire a lawyer because he looked good on TV. Uh, and and I don't think Larry Kudlow uh, is necessarily a yes man, although maybe we'll get to this later. Uh, what happens is people go into that White House and then they come out into the driveway and say things that are – at best, inconsistent with everything they've said their entire careers and largely incoherent. That's where yeah. Larry Kudlow is today. And we've seen, we've seen guys, I mean, we saw with the departure of, of Hope Hicks um, and the departure of, of Rob Porter, um, you know, some, some shifting economic, economic dynamics at least. Um, you know, it was, it was <clears throat> certainly – um word around word around Washington that that she was she was his closest advisor and maybe you know is the true kind of trump whisperer um in terms of of attempting to discern what what was on his mind and and affecting his mood rob porter we knew controlled controlled helped control access to Trump um, and and really did seem to be um, on the side of Kushner and how we talk about this the globalists uh, who yeah. are now who are now um, you know finding finding their way out of the West Wing uh, so it does affect policy and I want to I want to talk about that in the context um, in the context of tariffs um, and just generally economic stuff because that's that's certainly been top of mind for for a lot of folks over the course of the last couple of weeks Howard so what are your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few different categories of, of people that have broken out in this White House and now been kicked out of this White House. 
um, the the GOP establishment group, the the rights previous group, um, were kind of the first crowd in, and the first crowd out. Yeah. Um, the globalists, meaning the people that advocated for free trade, um, coordination with our allies, um, that kind of thing, led by um, Gary Cohn on the economic policy side and H.R. McMaster on the foreign policy side, who was the national security advisor, um, uh, are now clearly on the outs. And Rob Porter, a very good example, a guy who made his way into the news because of some really awful things. Um, but um, he didn't make his way into the news for the job he was doing um, in, in terms of control as the staff secretary, controlling the flow of paper, not that Trump reads any, but con controlling the flow of information to the president and using that to help the globalist wing in the White House keep the president out of um, the kind of tariff fight we now find ourselves in. Um, the nationalist wing, this um, group of people inside the White House who advocate for America first policy from a foreign policy perspective and an economic policy perspective. And frankly, they're, they're reigning supreme now, which doesn't mean nobody in that group has been, has been shown the door. And then, and then the conservative wing, the ardent conservatives, the Mike Pence crowd, which, you know, he's the one guy, the one guy, person, who he's not, he's the vice president, he's influential, he's got people all over government, nobody talks about him. I was just about to make that, that observation, um, because he, you know, we see, we see the vice president, you know, at, at every public event with the president, standing, standing behind the president, he doesn't, he, he's not often um, in the news himself. He is sort of a, appears to be Mark a bit of a quiet player um, in all of this. Um, vice presidents often, you know, have very unique roles in in in, in the White House, as we know. Um, some with no role at all, but um, but he does well, he does speak for a pretty pretty important constituency, the GOP. What do we what do you make of of that and and, and Howard's comments? Yeah, I, I think Mike Pence is playing a role, but it is a role that um, he is succeeding with because he is picking areas that Trump doesn't care about. He's not in there on tariffs. He's not in there on North Korea. He's not in there on Russia and Syria. He is actually influencing the governance of the country by involving himself and more than himself, involving his people in extraordinarily important areas of policy that Trump just basically doesn't care about, most notably health care. The Administrator at CMS, who runs the second largest budget, second only to the Defense Department in the United States government. Seema Verner is a Pence person from Indiana. The new secretary of HHS is a Pence person from Indiana. He has other people in 
similar places on similar issues. So, yes, he he matters, and policy is uh, – personnel is policy, and a lot of the health care policy is being made by Pence personnel. But he manages to stay in the good graces of the president by not going near any of the issues that the president actually cares about. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting – very interesting observation. Um Howard, I want to I want to talk about this the what's going on with tariffs right now because if you you know if you look at if you look at what what look, if you look at Trump's plan and then you look at China's response, um, you know it's it's difficult not to see how uh, how this it's difficult to see how this is not the beginning of a of a tried and true trade war. Um, but um, what? What should we make of all that? I mean, certainly it's going to have, it's going to have an effect on on a number of a number of industries um, and a number of <clears throat> um, manufacturers as well as as well as farmers, um, especially in in the the central part of the country where Trump was incredibly popular um, two years ago. What do you what do you make of all that? I don't know because it changes every day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Either the trend is toward um, the imposition of tariffs and Chinese retaliation, and I agree with you, Blake. It's hard to see how that doesn't escalate. On the other hand, um, there's a ton of lobbying going on with respect to the impact that's going to have on business. And I don't, you know, I think Larry Kudlow is a free trader, I, I think I think Bolton is as well, um, uh, and and so I think that um, the, the jury's still out. But I think this is actually one where Trump personally matters more than some others because he feels like it was well, so fundamental to his campaign, and and the easiest thing to talk about. It's like the one issue where he. He can speak semi-intelligently about um, about what it means and how it works, and so I, well, you know, I think I'm going to I'm going to dissent from that semi-intelligently characterization, but he can certainly demagogue it because he has a lot of practice. He spent the whole campaign doing that, but he doesn't know what he thinks, which is why the policy has gone from tariffs on everybody on everything to maybe tariffs on the Chinese that we're negotiating and, and who knows where it is today. I don't think it is any coincidence that tariffs have exploded onto the scene. I don't, Howard, think it's because the globalists have been purged and the nationalists are ascendant. I think it's because Trump signed the omnibus spending bill knowing that he got rolled, knowing that he got nothing for his border wall, for which he got a lot of criticism. And the one thing you can't begrudge the guy is that his instincts about his base, his instincts about the people who put him there are very acute. And I think he knew that he had to do something. 
And that's why you heard him flailing uh, about tariffs with no policy or program in mind. And that's why you now have National Guard troops on the border with with fundamentally no role and nothing to do. It's all about him just trying to keep his base behind him after getting rolled on the border wall. Look, I think that, um, to me, what's going on is <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a big problem with who's out and and how decisions are being made and, and how... When you say who's out, you mean personnel-wise? Personnel-wise. Yeah. And, and, and um, the unpredictability of this White House. I, I mean, look, again, shaking up government, I think it's something a lot of, want, a lot of people want to see. But unpredictability and the feeling like once a decision gets made, it doesn't stick is, is exactly based on my experience, having been in the belly of the beast, in some really scary times, under some really dangerous circumstances, it's exactly the wrong way to run a government. And Trump has not mastered the art of projecting out a cer- projecting outward a certain way, and you know managing managing downward uh, maybe a little bit of a different way. But that's all bad. What's worse is who wants to come work in this administration? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a problem. That's yeah. the problem. I mean, because people uh, have left. Yeah. And there are jobs that have never been filled, let alone filled and vacated. Who yeah. wants to come work in this White House? Howard, uh, as you know, uh, I was over at the White House with uh, an important client of ours. The other day, we were walking to our meeting, and he turned to me and said something that you and I have discussed Howard and Blake uh, many times. He said, where is everybody? We were walking down hallways that were vast and empty, and we were looking in offices that were dark, and it is tangible. The darkness is visible over there. They didn't fill up the government to begin with, and now people are leaving and, and not being replaced. And the not being replaced isn't shrinking government. The not re- being replaced is that they can't find anybody to go work there. Right. And none of that, none of that's good for the country. Shaking up government is what happened on January 20, 2017, when Trump took office. This isn't shaking up government. This is emptying out government, and it's his government. Oh, it's destabilizing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's. I mean, it's. It is a surprising turn because of <clears throat> because you know the, the the fact that that I mean getting a job in 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 government is 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 no easy task in and of itself. Um, it they're often coveted. You have people who have been you know very accomplished in the private sector going into government. It's sort of the expectation of of it has a certain measure of prestige that comes with it. Jobs are highly competitive. I mean, it's it's really just sort of bizarre to me that you don't have – this is this is where we are. I understand why we are where we right. are, but it still, it still is, is, is a little bizarre to me. You got the CEO of ExxonMobil 
And the number two guy at Goldman Sachs to come take some of the most important jobs in government. Right. And they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. It's um it, it is it is interesting. Well let's shift our let's shift our focus um to 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 sort of the political map and kind of where where we think the state of play is. You know, we've been following um I mean certainly there is this constant conversation about um you know, will will the Democrats be able to retake the House? What does it mean if they do? What does it mean for the agenda? What does it mean for um, for a variety of things, and um, and I want I want to get I want to kind of get your thoughts, Mark, to begin with on on the state of play, and then we can we can drill down to to some other interesting things. We had an interesting development in Wisconsin, um, but I thought we'd just kind of start with the with kind of the state of the map. Where do you where do you see things? Well, the map uh, looks good for the resistance in some places and, and not so good uh, in others, but just to walk through it real quickly so Howard doesn't accuse me of another filibuster, the United States Senate is going to be real tough to flip because the map is real bad. There are just way more Democrats up than Republicans, and 10 of the Democrats who are up are in states that Trump won. And the Republicans have some decent candidates in some of those states. And getting back the Senate is probably not happening. On the other hand, over in the House, you got to flip 24 seats. There have been all of the retirements we've talked about. There have been the special elections that we've seen. Democrats are recruiting very good candidates this time around. And I think taking back the House is looking much, much more promising by far than the Senate. And we shouldn't forget about the states. There are a large number of governorships up and the map is more favorable to Democrats there. So looking at the map and projecting out way too many months because every day is an eternity in this administration, but looking out and looking at the map, uh, November should be good for Democrats, bad for Republicans. That That's the way we're trending. You're hedging your bets way too much. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. It's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> I mean, it's a bloodbath. It's been a bloodbath for almost every president um, in the midterm elections of yeah. his first term, well, especially with a popularity rating where Trump's is, despite what he tweets every day about Rasmussen in their, right. <laughs> their polls. <laughs> It's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, Mark, I, I wanted to highlight a couple of things for for everyone on the call, um, just because I, I think they're they're interesting. Bear in mind, of course, that it's it's only April April fifth. One one of which is, um, you know, there was a there was a state supreme court uh, election in Wisconsin, um, and it turned in, although it was not supposed to be um, partisan, it turned very partisan, very expensive. Um, and, the, and, and the Democrat won by, I think, 11 points, um, which prompted uh, Governor Scott Walker, who, who we've hosted here in the past, to, to outright declare that a blue wave is coming, at least in, <clears throat> at least in Wisconsin. Um, a new poll out 
um, yesterday shows in the in the Tennessee Senate race for um, Bob Corker's seat that um, former Governor Phil Bredesen has a 10-point lead over over uh, his Republican Republican opponent, um, and it may be, although certainly would hope not, that that as a result of as a result of of his health, um, Senator John McCain may be may be um, retiring from the Senate. Although we don't know that that to be sure, but but uh, you know on the Senate side, Mark, the the Democrats do have yep. do have some good news. I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that 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 they have a chance to take it because you know you're right and, and as we've highlighted in the past they're really in particular um, in the dish, it, those ten but there are five that are that are going to be going to be difficult for for the Democrats right. to hold right yeah well I I'm more bullish than I let on Howard that's fair comment that I'm hedging I'm hedging little bit because after the last election it's very hard to have any confidence in in <laughs> predictions this far out this far out or even on election day in that last one but but the phenomenon is is interesting and and I think uh, irreversible the republicans have trump on the ballot but don't have trump Trump himself, with the rallies and the demagoguery and the shooting someone on Fifth Avenue and not losing any support, Trump is obviously formidable. He got himself elected president. And were he out there running, it would be a very different dynamic. But he's not. And that leaves the Republicans with all the Trump baggage, which is piling up by the day, without whatever advantage he brings as being a candidate, and that's not going to change. No, and, and so you look to candidate quality, which you were talking about earlier, and I think it's a little better for the R's in the Senate races than it is in the House races, a little bit stronger for the D's in the House races than it is in the Senate races, mm-hmm. and put Trumpism in the fact that He's, you know, on the ballot without running on top of that, and I just think it breaks in, in the way of a in the way of a blue wave. But, you know, to, to this dovetails with our last conversation because to me, you know, again stepping back from from the day to day, when Trump, what Trump ran on and what he has governed on in some ways anyway, from the very beginning, from literally the first day of his presidency, is going to battle with um, the, the bureaucracy, yeah. going to battle with the media. And those are wars he is losing. And, uh, you know, in terms of the media, my view is that he is being, despite all his tweeting, despite the fact that everybody hates the media, he is being played like a fiddle. A lot of these personnel decisions that are coming down are coming down because the media knows knows just what to say to make trouble. Some of these firings for, you know, things that in some cases shouldn't have been done, in some cases are justifiable, 
um, are there media created, media fueled situations where they know just what to say to get under Trump's skin and to get him to take action? Yeah. And it's destabilizing. You know, clearly he has lost the battle to the, um, at least the intelligence bureaucracy, and I think the bureaucracy um, more generally. And I think that that is having an impact on, um, that, that has an impact on things from a policy perspective. It has an impact on things in terms of how people perceive this government to be functioning. And it's going to absolutely crush the R's in November. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I think that yeah, another Mark. dimension of that, Blake, is that you know people voted for Trump for a lot of different reasons. A lot of people voted against Hillary, and and that alone was enough. But to the degree that there was a theme or or a number of them, a, a very compelling presentation that Trump made uh, in the presidential election was that he was going to come to Washington and work for all the people who had been forgotten by the Democrats. He had all the money he needed. He wasn't interested in making any more. He knew how to get things done. He knew who was being left behind. And he was going to Washington, and he was going to fight for those people. And that was a very compelling message in a lot of places in this country, including here in Pennsylvania, which which he won narrowly. I think that people in those places, while they're still hoping he will get around to doing that, I think people are starting to to think that he that he isn't doing it and he isn't going to. Because the administration is just mired in scandal after scandal after scandal, and they all involve people doing stuff for themselves at the cost of the people who sent them there, which is exactly the message Trump ran against. You look at uh, the Secretary of Interior and his doors and the secretary of HUD and his table and secretary Price and his planes and whatever on earth is going on with administrator Pruitt and Jared Kushner and his loans and the Trump International Hotel and on and on. And it just presents the people who went to Washington to enrich themselves and forgot about the people who sent them there. Yeah, and an interesting legal development out of Maryland that the the case um, surrounding the the Trump Hotel here in Washington um, and whether benefits are are being paid uh, to Trump is has passed at least one procedural hurdle. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of how how that case develops. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it. it, it there, there is, a, there is a theme. Um, I think you've articulated it very well, um, Mark. But Howard, I still always come back to, you know, the that base number just didn't, isn't moving much. People aren't people. Uh, whether they should be, I mean, the tariff thing. If you, if you just look at who the the most affected people are, it's the Mississippi River Valley. It's Arkansas all the way up to, up to Michigan. Um, and and then covers the Midwest. I mean, it's states that 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 
are full of people that Mark was talking about who yeah. who expected Trump to to come to Washington and fight for them and he's 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 in at least in that context doing doing what appears to be the opposite. Well, and well, you don't need to peel off that many of those people for it to make a difference. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Well, and and just back to the Senate for a second and and that map for example, this is something uh, I know from having grown up there. China slapping a tariff on soybean imports is a big deal in Indiana, where Joe Donnelly is one of the Democratic incumbents in a very red state. And that that is going to matter. All politics is local, and mm-hmm. those people who are going to see their soybean prices drop are, are not going to be happy that the president did that to them. Yeah. Now, that's assuming yeah. that the tariff lasts until November, may not last uh, the week, because nothing seems to over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do think, I don't, I don't mean to harp too much on the on the tariff issue, but I, I do think, Mark, and I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up the uh, the Indiana Senate race because I I, I do think there are there are some uh, there are political um, opportunities for 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 the Democrats that that were not available to them a couple of weeks ago um, in in a few of these states that are that are going to be tough and tough for them in November um, and and Indiana is certainly certainly one of them but it's it's just it's just interesting how how um, uh, you know how how all of these issues, um, you know, have, have have sort of collectively made, you know, people really start to to feel like that 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 there's there's no there's no adult in the room anymore. Um, which is, you know, if that's if that's if that's right, if if it really is a an enormous deal that. Um, that Hope Hicks is no longer in the White House. I guess we'll we'll see what we'll see what uh, right. what right. what it what it, what it all means. Well, I mean, again, that to me is media. Blah blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> to use a technical yeah. term. Yep. Like, come on, she's a 29-year-old communications person. She may have a great relationship with Trump. It's like the that's just sensationalized nonsense. She's not she was not holding the United States government together <laughs> or or the executive office of the president. It's a joke. <laughs> I it's just all I mean I, you know it's sort of you, you kind of you kind of just have to you know shake your head a little bit or um at the um at the enthusiasm for 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 all of those types of narratives and and because um, these guys know what draws eyeballs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, it's click, it's clickbait. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, I uh, is uh, we we're we're nearing the the end of our time. I I did want to I did want to give you um, a little bit of a uh, forum. Howard and I are here in Washington. We can't see the celebration of your Villanova <laughs> Wildcats, but uh, congratulations both uh, to you and to and to Mrs. Alderman, especially for right. that. Uh, that decisive win over uh, over right. Howard's Wolverines. 
Yeah, Professor Alderman also won the family pool. She dominated with her pick of Villanova beating Michigan in the title game. And That's interesting. Are you going to pay her? <laughs> I'm going to pay her all of the money that I collected, which wasn't a lot because most of you deadbeats didn't bother to pay. But, yeah, I'll give her what I got. And she got most of the week off because Villanova has been uh, in, in high celebration uh, ever since. But, yeah, now it's on Blake to uh, the Sixers winning the NBA championship as Charles right. Barkley. I mean, right. Yeah, you're, uh, Charles Barkley <laughs> said it's going to happen, Mark. So I think, I think that's, that's, that's all you need to know. Well, um, well as always, guys, uh, 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 very interesting, interesting discussion, um, certainly for everyone on the call. Um, I, would, I would encourage um, comments, questions, criticisms of the moderator, uh, presidential analysis at cozen.com or visit copublicstrategies.com uh, for lots of information, lots of stuff um, that's happening um, in Washington. We'll be back with uh, another call in April 25th. April 25th. There you go. So um, 20 days from today. So Mark, I, uh, I hope you enjoy the parade. Don't celebrate don't celebrate in traditional Philadelphia style. Keep keep both your feet on the ground and uh, stay, <laughs> no stay off lining. the awnings, the light poles, and don't light anything on fire, please. Um, I can do that. And uh, go blue. Yeah. And, and and with that, thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Blake. Thanks, Howard. Thank you. Guys. Great. Thanks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you and have a good day.